Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Thursday morning. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so. We got a couple guests, too, man. Boss Rudin and Mohammed Mokayev, UFC Flyaway. Both will join us here on today's program. And, of course, we'll talk about some of the latest news. Not much to really look forward to this weekend, unless you're a Cage Warriors fan like I am. They do have back-to-back shows this week. Those guys used to be family back in the day, much like Invicta. In the last few months, their fights would appear on our website. So I've always held a little soft spot for them. That's why Goes and I got to meet Conor McGregor before he even became the UFC superstar that he was. He was actually a two-time champ over at Cage Warriors. Or two-division champ. There you go. A two-division champ at Cage Warriors. Uh, Same thing, featherweight and lightweight. Anyhow, we'll get started here. It's MMA Junkie Radio on a Thursday. And today's May 26th. All right, so goes. Uh, you know, you and I purposely said let's wait a little bit because it's been a little slow on the news cycle side. I mean, yeah, you got a little bit on of the stuff happening um, from the reality show, I suppose. Uh, still a little bit of a hangover last weekend. You and I all day, all week, we've still been talking about, um, you know, the reactions to Vieira and home. Uh, Anders and Park, uh, Ponzinibbio versus uh, Pajeda. And rightfully so, man. It was a lot of split decisions, a lot of close decisions. The judges definitely have been in the spotlight. I mean, even if you go back, hang, there's a hangover from Rose Nama Yunus and um, Carlos Barza. Get over it, folks, because let me tell you, since then, Esparza's already gotten married and she's in Bora Bora. Life moves on. And this is the only thing I can say goes is fighters. It's on you said this for 10 years, maybe 15. Now I'm going to repeat it because there's always new fans. There's always new fighters. The onus is on you to get that 10 and make sure the other guy or gal gets the nine. The judges are still the same names. Who do you hear goes Cleary, Comijo, D'Amato, McCarthy, you know, uh, there's others. And, it you know it's usually the same judges and guess what they are the best judges they're not idiots man we'll talk about Cruz and Mazzuli here in just a second but what are your thoughts man have you had a chance to think about it you know everybody's got their little let's try open scoring um let's get five judges let's get new judges let's redo the criteria you know like some of that's not even realistic i actually think um having fighters 
be judges would be even more of a nightmare. I really do. Um, I don't think the system is that bad the way we have it right now, but I do just think there needs to be a little bit more accountability. They get it right for the most part, uh, but a lot of times they don't. And that, that part is a little bit difficult. And I feel like when that does happen, it has to be, uh, you got to either not suspend, but like put that judge off to the side for a little bit, figure out why they went the way they did. And then they have to work their way back up into that position. I think they should have a bigger pool of judges. And I just think the more, uh, just a little bit of a point system, you know, the more you get it right, the more you stay at the top. And when you have these mess ups, you got to go back down a little bit. Uh, maybe you don't get championship fights or, or main card fights until you can prove that you, you uh, for the most part, can get it right. But, I mean, I, I get it. Yeah, fighters do need to do the most they can to win a round. But sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. You know, sometimes two fighters will beat the crap out of each other and put on an exciting round, but a judge might still give them the wrong score. So I understand why that can be frustrating. But uh, I don't know that the whole system needs to be shaken up. I don't agree with open scoring. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just think a couple tweaks here and there. I do remember hearing one decent application towards open scoring, but I still need to see how it applies on the gambling world. And that is in first round fight, sorry, three round fights. So that would be non-title, three rounds, five minutes each. So in those fights, after the first round, you announce the score, and then after that, it's a secret. That's interesting. I, I it made me hang my mouth open like I just did right now. Like what? You know, like I had to think about it right away. I, I want to poke holes in it. What what could come of that? Really, not too much harm, other than we know where we stand. You know, like if you go back to the stool, one coach is probably thinking okay, we just got to get win one of the next two and we got a W, baby, you know? It means it's they want their fighter to win and they also want their fighter to go home with two checks. But there will still be mystery if the next round is close because you could be 1-1 if you're the winning fighter of the first round or you could be up 2-0, you know, and 2-0 definitely is yet another type of a strategy, a little bit more of a cruise control, more defense, I imagine. And let's say you're on the losing side of that one and oh, well, then now you know you got to win the next two. But if the second one was close, you come back between rounds two and three, and your coach is probably telling you, bro, you might be down 0 2, get out there and finish this guy for crying out loud. Now you got to actually spinning back fist from time to time, maybe start off by running at him like a Masvidal, you know, trying a knee. Like you really, really got to come out of your box a little and start to unload. We would equate that to, if you're down 15 in the fourth quarter of a basketball game, you're probably putting in three three point shooters, you know, and maybe taking somebody, one of the big guys out. In football, you're probably telling the running back, you're not going to get many carries because we're down three touchdowns, more no huddle, you know, more passing, and maybe even an onside kick. So I, I, I would hope that that's, that that's what they would do. In title fights, if you're curious, you get to know the scores in rounds one and two, but then after that, it's a secret again. Why do I keep using the secret? Because I think one of the advantages of of um, not knowing the winner at the end is there really is something precious 
about when Buffer, Williams, Garcia, Martinez, um, oh boy, I just spaced it on our boy, Justin Bernard, whoever gets that opportunity to get out there and be an MC, you know, and, and be the ring announcer when you basically are the only one that knows the answer, unless Dana White's over your shoulder and you get to, uh, you know, announce it, man, there's something about that pause, you know, like wondering who won. I, I, I would still like to preserve that because I, I'm, I'm not ready for uh, open scoring. And, and that's just like a little bit of a cherry on the Sunday for me. Yeah, I mean, that all sounds good on paper, open scoring. But I think when you really break it down, there's more issues that can arise. And you're right. There is a little bit of suspense that gets taken away. And that that that's the fun part. What did you think about in a non-title fight after round one, knowing the score, and in a title fight after rounds one and two, knowing the score? What did you think of it? at least kind of cutting it in half? or That's not bad. I don't see how that could be too bad. But... Uh... I don't. I also don't know that it solves what's going on too. Mm-hmm. They could still get it wrong in rounds one and two, right? I had heard a long time ago. Only tell them if it's one one and if it's two two, but don't tell them if it's two nothing, um, or three one or four zero. Oh, I guess. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, well, you're still kind of telling them by not telling them, right? You are, you are in a way. Um, I think it would affect more. I think you would know if you're down three one or four zero. But then again, dude, Andre Perdineris thought he was his fighter was down three one Vieira, unless he thought maybe that's the way I can get through her is by yelling at her because he was losing his mind on Saturday. Yeah, I mean that's definitely like I said, everything has a little bit of a caveat that would kind of screw you over. So I don't know. Round one, round two, I don't think is a killer. But, um, yeah, anything more than that would be too much. Mm-hmm. Even that round two might be too much. The ABC uh, Association of B- Boxing Commission, they are having a big ha- a conference July 22nd, 23rd, 24th. It's like five days. But the first two are weekend days, Saturday and Sunday, and they're encouraging fighters or – what was it? Fighters and coaches, fighters and media. No, I think media gets the time. Broadcasters, right. To go there and uh, for free, actually. I wanted to ask the guy, can media go for free too? I mean, I don't know if that goes that far. But I did look into fights. Something's going on that weekend. Maybe it's that. But uh, one way was 400 bucks to Rochester or Buffalo because it's going to be held in Niagara Falls. Just mm-hmm. one way. And um, But, you know, like... Who knows if USA Today would support that if they would want us to to do that? But it was it, it was tempting. I looked at it just because I'm curious. No, now what comes with it goes though is um, you would be, I guess, certified to judge or ref because it's refing and judging. But I, I'm not really going there for the certification. I'm just going there for more knowledge. Yeah, yeah, knowledge is always important. Like just the other day we had big John McCarthy on the show and, and just him going through 10, 10 rounds again, explaining that that's knowledge. Exactly. So let's pivot over to what Dominic Cruz said. Um, actually, I guess our first guest is ready to go. Who, who do we have? Right. I just got, uh, we have boss Rudin. all right. Yeah. He's ready to go. So let's talk to boss Rudin, and then we'll come back. We'll start with Dominic Cruz because that cat had some interesting things to say the other day. And I, I, 
I still feel like some of them just were he was a little bit off and Mike Mazzulli, uh checked his ass. All right. John McCarthy or sorry, uh, Boss Rudin, also a legend of the game. Let's talk some karate combat. What is going up, Junkie Nation? It's Gorgeous George and Goes. We're back with another superstar from the sport of mixed martial arts. Not only a superstar, a legend. And, of course, he's a three-time king of Pancrase and a former UFC champion and a Hall of Famer. He now is working with Karate Combat. Folks, season four has started. Event number two is coming up here on May 28th, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific. Go to karate.com to get your information since we have a worldwide audience on how you can watch because it's very, very available all over the world. Welcome back, boss. How are you? Boom! Hushu! That's the karate greet that we're doing right there. We're doing great, brother. How are you guys doing? Nice. I, I got a confession. I got a confession to make. I am late to the party on karate combat. Holy cow. So since John booked you, shout out to John. Um, I've seen it. I've seen clips and things like that. But now having watched the show... It's really cool, man. It's really cool, and I'm glad they're getting the word out even more. People need to see this. I I was glued to uh, the the first event. It's I mean it, it is it, the, the rule set the, the 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 environment where we where the fighters fight in the the pit you know 45 degrees angles uh, and you, which you can use and which actually you see fighters. Uh, we saw a guy grabbing somebody, running up the hill, and then dropping him. You see, so so now they really start to use the pit to their advantage. You push them in the corner, they just run out. They use it to make flying kicks, flying everything, and takedowns. And oh, this is another great thing about karate combat. There is a takedown rule. You can take somebody down, and they can rain down five seconds strikes. You already seen people who got stopped that way. But if you fall against that wall, you're not considered down. So you can do anything. You can still punch, kick, but also you can get punched. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting, brother. Brother, You know, Im- immediately from when you guys started this show, before Arus and Gasimov started, you could already tell just the production alone, just the arena there, and, of course, the pit that they call it, top-notch. I mean, like, your eyes are instantly glued to it, so you want to wait. You want to see the introductions, the, the rules explanation. But, I mean, it really, really uh, cla- a- A-class um, – presentation you know what i mean and that i got to start with that man that that was something else yeah i know and you know and in the past we did these things that we can go in the future we can go to space we can go into the past and you know and, and it's great like last season we went okinawa all the way back when japan or when karate got discovered uh discovered that made pretty much uh so so then going back and, and then do a little bit of a history lesson you know sure it's fun and games but there's also a little bit of history on how karate came to life and those things I enjoy as well. And then of course, together with GSP, we got Leota Machida and we got uh, the, 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 the crazy wonder boy now as well on board. Uh, I just saw him hitting fruit on Instagram, Stephen, <laughs> breaking yeah. fruit that we're throwing at him. The guy's crazy, but I mean, that whole combination, it's, it's a great show, man. It really is. You know, as an MMA fan on weeks where we get pulled in different directions, be it a big boxing match, or a big kickboxing match, or bare knuckle, whatever the big thing is at the moment, uh, you know, part of it is we we have other interests, you know, aside from MMA, and so 
I, I guess the key is to get pulled in by something. So again, please pass that on to the creators of Karate Combat. They are doing a fantastic job. I love the pacing of it as well. And yeah. you know, you're not you're also not watching 20 fights, you know. So I think that's another thing that can be sometimes a little bit of a turnoff where you're like, oh, you know, like who's who? How do I get to what match or whatever? Here you guys deliver. It seems like it's just like one right after the other. I like that. It is, you know, and, and the fighters as well. We, listen, we, we have we have Olympic level karate cars who now are fighting full contact. And I always talk about this in interviews, you know, all the way back, like four years ago, we started this thing. They started this thing and they brought me on board right away. And you saw these guys like from point karate, right? They would hit somebody, scream, and they would stop fighting. And then the other yeah. guy would keep going. And they realized, oh, crap, this is not point karate. This is real. So now they all started kickboxing, boxing. They So, so they have fluid combinations. Although the rule set, there's no knees, there's no elbows. And that makes sure that... They just want to fight us to be further away from each other so people at home can really see the technique. And another great thing that comes with it is that uh, if a kid at home tells, hey, mom, can I watch MMA? Can I watch bare knuckle boxing? Whatever it is, the kid's like 10 years of age. I don't think the parent's going to say yes. But if the kid says, hey, mom, can I watch karate tonight? I think they will say yes. And even more so, I think that the, the parents will sit in and watch it all together as a family adventure. Yeah, that word karate alone just has great marketing for the whole family so you you are exactly right another thing i i didn't witness at all was timidity i mean they go for it you definitely don't want your back foot it seems like on the 45 uh angle you know on, on the wall or anything like that because that's different from bouncing off of a rope and boxing or even a little bit of of you know ha having yourself against the cage some fighters like that i don't like it when fighters have the back in the cage but yep. see, here you can tell they're trying to avoid it Oh, they have to. You know, you saw Ross Levine against Igor de Castaneda. It was last week. Uh, he he dropped him. He fell against the wall. And then Ross Levine decides to wrap it up with a spinning head kick, uh, spinning back kick to the head. And he because he was not considered down, it was completely illegal. So he made his back kick, boom, hit with the jaw or with his, with his heel, the jaw. And that's where they stopped the fight, you see. So things like that can happen because you're not considered down. Yeah, I really, really like that. I also like, like you mentioned... When they engage, you can go for the takedown quickly, but if it's not there, the referee is there, the referee is there. the announcer's letting you know, it you know, separate. So I they made the rules clear and they uh they you know they put it to they they put it to use. Like it, you know, there wasn't like much confusion, is what I like, and they're on top of it. Yeah, and, and the respecting also, George. You see these guys and some uh, they walk up to each other and some of them get in their faces, you yeah. know. But then right after they did that, they both bow, they shake hands. I mean, the respect doesn't leave, you know, and, and that's a great thing to see as well. Oh, yes, they get angry. But then right away after that, they shake hands and they, they bow, also, and then they uh, go and have their fight. And most of the time, you know, as well as I do, after the fight, okay, now we know who's boss. Now everything is okay again. <laughs> boss, so I want to talk a little bit about some crossover stuff. When we were kids... Whatever was popular is what was happening on the playground, right? So on the playground, you're seeing people doing some pro wrestling. You know, that's what was going on. Hulk Hogan, Macho Man in our time. Uh, when I say crossover, I say a show like Cobra Kai on Netflix, right? Yep. Kind of reinvigorated karate. That's what I did growing up was karate. And then that kind of went away. But now it seems like it's back. A show like that, does that even kind of increase a little bit the popularity of what you're doing? Oh, it has to be 100%. I'm kind of hoping that uh, that uh, Cobra Kai sees it, that the writers 
secret writing company, I'm 100% guarantee they know already, and that maybe, you know, we can, we get a collaboration. That will be something. Because let's face it, it's the only full contact karate league in the world. You know, if you don't consider Kyokushin. Kyokushin is full contact, but it's not punches to the face. It's only to the chest and kicks and everything. And these are allowed to the head. And it's a whole different fighting style. We have Kyokushin fighters, but Kyokushin, it's always, I, I explain, it's like fighting in a phone booth. We have actually the champion, Edgar Screevers. He's coming up to face uh, Louis, uh, Louis Hocha. And that's going to be this weekend. And you do not want to miss this fight. That guy, Edgar Screevers, he's a Kikushin guy. He only comes forward. I mean, he's those one speed and it's full speed and it's coming forward. And he, his interviews are hilarious. He has this Russian accent and he says, I'm too, too strong. I make everybody mentally quit. I with just way too much pressure for everybody. You know, this is how he talks. No, no emotions, but it's hilarious what he's doing because he's a very funny guy. Now, Hocha, he lost to him the first time. But Hocha trains with the Pitbull Brothers. I've seen him spar at my gym with the Pitbull Brothers. And I go, dude, the guy is really good. And he has said that it was just an unfortunate event. But he will knock him out this time. And I'm, you want to see this fight. It's going to be a great fight. You know, you have some connections in Hollywood, boss. Has Have you taken a step forward to maybe try and plant that idea in their head? Because you're right. Like, I mean, half of that show is about kids. But the other half is about adults. And they need something, too. Like, maybe they can kind of evolve. I think it's a great idea, Bounce. What is a great idea as well is now it's with kids, but then they can broaden the horizon in the, in the whole TV show as well. Then if a kid turns 18, well, he goes pro, he goes to karate combat. Right. What else would that be? See, so I think it would be perfect working together. And, yes, that will put a lot of eyeballs. Listen, I'm watching Cobra Cry. I never knew that the, the reboot would be so good. And I love it. You know, and everybody in my gym, every single person watches Cobra Kai and we all binge it. You know, I saved the last episode actually for uh, like two weeks ago because I didn't want to fly through it at one time. But yeah, collaboration, that will be the best. Boss, two questions. Obviously, karate is worldwide. It just seems like you're going to have tons of people that are going to want to do this because every country practices this, this martial art. Um, so I wanted you to talk a little bit about the expansion you know, from different countries worldwide. And then my last question, um, you're watching Cobra Kai. In your soul, do you feel more Miyagi-Do or more Cobra Kai? Ooh, I'm a more Mi Miyagi-Do guy. Uh, I, I, Okay, the intensity in fighting, uh, that is Cobra Kai uh, in training. But once I'm in the fight, I, I believe relaxation beats everything. You know, if you fight a relaxed, same skills, one is aggressive, one is relaxed. The guy with who's relaxed will win nine out of ten times. That's what I believe. The more relaxed you are, the faster your neurons fight and uh, fire, and the rest of everything works. So, uh, yeah, I will be that. And then what was the other question you're talking about? About worldwide expansion, you know, because oh, yeah. there's so many fighters across the world. That's the thing. I think we're going to have a whole bunch of shows. Uh, the first big show now is going to be a live show in Orlando. It's coming up. Uh, so that's going to be good, uh, June 25th. This is the first time we that people actually can buy a ticket, which is very hard to get in there. Before that, that were, you were only chosen to be there. So this is the very first time. It's going to be at the Universal Studios, I believe, in Orlando, Florida. And uh, the people who want an event, a, a ticket, go to karate.com and try to figure out how you can get a ticket. Because uh, right now, it's not open completely, I believe. Not to everybody. And it's going to be hard to find some tickets. Boss, let me tell you something, man. Not to kiss your ass or anything, but your energy is missed in MMA. Um, just between catching up a little bit on karate combat and this interview, I can tell, man, like 
obviously you've competed high level, but you uh, you're very very good at analyzing the sport. So I can tell you right now, man. I yeah, you're more missed than I thought. Oh, thanks, George. I really uh, it's it's always good to hear. You know, I'm I'm so stoked now that I you know could leave stop with other some other businesses like commentating business and you know, fully go with uh, with karate combat because. You know, let's face it, like you, you already mentioned it, your goals already said it. There's so much talent. So I think this this thing is going to grow really big and then yeah. we're going to need fighters. And that means we're going to need a lot of shows. So I think I'm going to have my hands full and I'm freaking loving it because now it's in America. Before we had to go overseas. Now we can do it right here in Florida. I'm, uh, I'm loving it. Yeah. Um, I had to restrain myself from laughing because – one of the last things I asked you, you ended with the fact that there you, you're right. There's a lot of intensity in the stare down. Then they come out and it has this feel like from the old movies that, you know, the martial art movies that, that we grew up with, like Thunderdome, whatever. But what I really liked was, you know, you explained that at the end there is a bow, but you threw in um, now we know who's boss. And I'm thinking that would be one of the best trash talks you could tell someone on the streets if you sorted them out. And then you kindly told them that. <laughs> now we know who's boss. Like, I, 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 I <laughs> have you ever done that? I mean, because obviously that's your name, but it, it also works with boss, you know? Like, oh, that's the best. I used to have these things. Now we know who's you know, who, who, who's the boss? I had a t shirt. Who's the boss? You know, like, and me standing there. No, one of the best funny t shirts I had was in the, and I, I, I can't find it anymore. I wish I had a copy. It was a, it was a drawing a cartoon. There's a person laying in the middle of the street, and his arm, one arm is here, the other arm is there. This leg is hanging here. You're completely messed up. And there's a group of people around him in the yeah. middle of the street. They go, "Oh my God, what happened to him?" And then one person says, "I don't know, but it looks like he's been hit by a bus." <laughs> oh, so yeah, it's so funny though. That's you know, yeah, gotta be like, someone's gotta dig that up, man. eBay, yeah. someone's gonna have one, right? Or I don't know. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Holy cow! Now we know who's boss. Like that's <laughs> like the funniest thing I've heard all week, man. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna write that down, George. Write it down. It. <laughs> write it down. There's something there. I'm telling you, because it's yeah. so it 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 is respect. You did it so respectful, but yeah. it's so meaningful. Like I mean, if I just got knocked out, I wouldn't like it. But then somebody reminded me, like, well, now we know who's. <laughs> oh my God. I'd be like, all right, dude. All right. Like, stop, stop it. Like, let me just get out of here with whatever dignity oh, I have left, you know? Um, I love hey, it. Seriously, this thing jumps out. I'm telling you, I really, really liked it, you know? And again, you brought the energy. And I'm, again, I'm putting myself in the mind of a casual viewer that's changed in the channel looking for something because this weekend there's no UFC. So we were yeah. going to be jumping around looking for something to do. And right away you guys delivered, you know, and right away the action starts, boom, boom, boom. The explanation of the rules. I, I love that as well. It wasn't hard to figure out what I was going to watch. And I got into it fast. Love it, man. I love it. We have a great team. Josh Palmer. Great. Layla Anna Lee is there. She's hosting the whole thing together with Josh Palmer being my, my, my sidekick or I'm his sidekick or whatever, you know, we'll, uh, it, it, it's a great show, man. We're having a great time. I mean, the team that we have, I mean, we went through some teams and then finally we sat on this team. And, you know, it's it, it's fun when you, you know, as well as I do, it, it's not always super everything works together. You know, there's always one rotten apple here or this or that. And, and with this team, we, we really having a great time, man. Everybody's blast. Everybody can throw in whatever they want. If we have scripts, you know, they, they say just follow the guidelines, but make it whatever you want to make it. So, 
it's really easy and very nice to relax with people like that. Yeah. So was that your idea to become a butcher and then a graduate and, you know, the intro last week? Because that was funny. <laughs> That's all them. It's all That's them. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm always the guy who gets everybody in trouble, of course. It, somehow, you know, I'm always picked. Uh, yeah. poor, poor Josh. But uh, <laughs> it, it, it is fun. And oh, yeah, of course. Uh, Robin Black. We have Robin Black as well. Yeah. I mean, he's doing the, the breakdown, so let's not forget him. He's doing a phenomenal job as well. If there's a fight coming, and he, most of the time he sees the setup, what actually happened, and he will break it down right after the fight. So that's a fun thing to watch for the people as well. Are you still watching MMA a lot? Yes, I do. I do. I'm, you know, I, I'm traveling a lot. I'm doing a lot of stuff right now. So but most of the time I try to catch it up when I come home, at least that I, I watch the fights. I zap through it. Uh, but yes, of course, I still love uh, watching MMA. Did you happen to catch Paul Daly the other day? It was his final fight at Bellator. Man, he just dug to the body with a left. Yeah. And then all of a sudden his right opened up and he cleaned the guy's clock out. It was really, really a nice combo, you know. But uh, that guy, I think, was still reacting to the body shot because, as you know, it's a slight, slight half-second delay. And yep. then, boom, his chin was out there. But... I was like, okay, Boss Rudin would have an appreciation for that body shot. He yeah, doesn't. yeah, I saw the clips flying by on Instagram. So uh, he's a freaking animal, animal man. I say with Manu, uh, Melvin Manu also, I mean, delivering again. You know, these guys are such a powerful hitters. It's always a pleasure to watch. Yeah, when somebody gets hurt, if they can get hit in the body before the finish, I'm telling you, a lot of things open up. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, body Boss, for the time as always. We look forward to watching uh, season four, episode two, coming up here on May 28th. Again, folks, go to karate.com, go to how you wa- uh, how to watch, and it'll tell you worldwide where you can connect. I know in North America, ESPN Deportes and, uh, is your ticket. And, of course, check out their socials. Lots to offer there. Thank you, boss. Have a nice day, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, very welcome. And Ross Levine is going to face uh, Shaheen Atamov, uh, by the way, and that's going to be that show June 25th. That's a big. That's going to be a really big fight. So, Godspeed, guys. Thank you so much. And Osu, which O S U comes from two words: Oshi push, Shinobu means endure. To push and to endure. O S U, Osu. Godspeed. Love it. Thank you. See you. <laughs> Man, it pained me to tell Boss, hey, this thing you guys have had going on, I just haven't been tuning in. But once I started prepping for that interview. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for May 28th. It pains me to to know that he's Miyaki though. I thought he's Cobra Kai for sure. I thought. Now I'm not well, saying he's Terry Silver or anything like that, but yeah. I think he'd get. I, he might be telling guys, "Hey, you're going a little too far," but I could see him in the corner, kind of laughing his ass off when when people are hitting that that wood and then pipes. Yeah. Well, that and ending fights with now we know who's boss. That's a little bit of subtle trash talk there, right? Yeah, that's pretty I cool. I don't think Daniel LaRusso would do that. Daniel LaRusso mm-hmm. would just bow, shake your hand, and say, hey, can can we be friends? Can I buy you a popcorn? Um, yeah. All right. So thank you to Boss Rudin. Shout out to John from Karate Combat for lining that one up. Dominic Cruz, he kind of was a little bit critical of MMA judges. And... Mike Mazzulli from ABC actually uh, responded to Cruz. Um, so Cruz was on the MMA hour and he was kind of, I guess, implying that, I mean, what's the best way we can do it? Maybe I'll just quote him. 
The commission set up a meeting for us announcers on the scoring system. Well, who's setting up the meeting for the commissioners on what a takedown is? Who's setting up a meeting for the commissioner on choosing what a takedown is? Um, that, no. They know is what he meant to say. What it feels like to get hit with a calf kick. Do they know? Compa I, I, this is the quote, folks. Sometimes they just you know talk out of the ass, and we have to we have to put it the way they said it. Compared to a high kick, I've had that feeling to know um, about three to five of those kicks before the muscle and the nerve pretty much shuts down. So he was questioning, I guess you know, like the the lack of experience. Mazzuli fires back and says, "Well, maybe you didn't know this about some of our judges, but." They, you know, we didn't just grab him off the street. And he goes on to say, Sal Diamato, black belt in karate. Derek Cleary, black belt in karate and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Eric Colon owns a jiu-jitsu gym. Dave Torelli owns Tiger Shulman's gym. Dave Peabody, a local judge. He's a black belt in karate. Dan Mergliata was a promoter and a Muay Thai fighter. Brian Miner uh, was a kickboxer. And he says, in the future, I hope the commentators, sorry, I hope before the commentators speak, they do their research. What did you think of not that exchange? Because Cruz, I think, was just giving his opinion, but then Mazzuli fired back in defense of commissions, judges, refs. Well, I think you have to do that, right? If you're a judge or a referee, uh, you want the head guy in charge to come have your back in those situations. Now, I did karate. I, I don't know that that makes me understand. Uh, what some of these certain techniques in mixed martial arts feel like. Um, we all know what pain is like, but see, that's the thing. And that's why it gets confusing, especially with fighters is like, even amongst them, they don't agree. You know, you get a takedown, um, a striker, like say MVP, Michael, man, all he did was lift me up, put me on my ass. That's it. And I, and I got right back up. Yeah, and a wrestler might go, bro, do you know what it takes to, to get a takedown like that? Uh, I basically picked you up like a little boy and put you on your ass. If that happened on the street, people would be going, ooh, you know, like, so even they look at things differently, you know, it just kind of depends. But I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, uh, I would be happy if I was a judge, that he came and, and had my back and, and said the things he did. Um, I mean... Look, I kind of get what Dominic Cruz is saying, and I don't know that you're going to research every judge and every referee in the world before you make any type of statement. Uh, I think he just means MMA experience. But you know, Dominic Cruz is for sure a Hall of Famer. He's going to be he's going to be inducted in the Hall of Fame one day, so we'll call him a future Hall of Famer. He is uh, a legend of the lighter weight classes, and one of the best broadcasters out there. In fact, I believe he's probably elevated a lot of other people's games because he always came in so prepared and knowledgeable. But that said, there are times where I feel like he loses a little bit of credibility because I think sometimes he just makes comments or does or, or does and says other things, you know, outside of even MMA that I, I find like silly, like, Going back to remember when he checked DC on not being prepped and he did it all in public. Man, that's man code stuff. That's colleague stuff. That's a lot of stuff that you just don't air out in that way because if you really felt that strong about it, you should have pulled him aside. You can't do all that and go, that's my bro. Get out of here. Um, so first of all, learn your way around that. Two, like you said, it goes, 
a lot of fighters. Check them out, man. Check out, <laughs> check out Twitter. Either Twitter reacts on our website or just check out Twitter in general after these controversial decisions. There's a lot of people that are disagreeing with Dominic Cruz that have felt that uh, calf kick, that have felt the takedown or whatever, and they're actually saying the opposite of what you're saying. They're just as split as judges, MMA media, and fans. So what would we say to them? Oh, you felt it, but you still don't know shit? I mean, you know, just because you've been in there, it definitely doesn't make you any more of an expert. It definitely is an advantage, but I've seen people that have been in there completely be way off the rocker when it comes to posting a, a score of a round, a score of a fight, or even having a take on the scoring system or whatever. In fact, there's a lot of fighters that I don't believe know what the, the, the rules or the scoring system are at times. Oh, I mean, look at Yo Romero. He didn't even know he was in a five-round fight. I mean, it, it can get pretty insane. Uh, Dominic's, Dominic's right. Like, after two, three of them calf kicks, your leg starts to die. But guess what? I've also seen fighters take 12 of those and keep coming. So, I mean, it, it's just real difficult. Like, really what we're trying to accomplish is very, very difficult, and we're never going to have a right answer. All we have to do is try and get as close as we can to getting a right answer. That's it. But we're never going to get it right. If you're a fan and you're thinking that there's a situation that's going to arise that's going to solve this, you're wrong. That will never happen. We just want to mitigate the damage a little bit, the best we can. But do you ever also get that feeling that every time he opens his mouth, he feels like scripture is being written? Yeah. He needs yeah, to stop that. You know what I mean? Yeah, a little and bit, I, yeah. I, I, I don't think Mazuli meant check out every single one of our judges before you. I just think he meant just before you open your mouth in general, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. And that, and you know what? Even in that situation, if I'm Dominic Cruz, I think I just take that one on the chin, you know? Because honestly, I do feel like what he's saying is not that they don't have martial arts um, experience, that they don't have MMA experience. And you could sit there and you can argue that, and you might even be right. But really, in that situation, because you spoke your mouth the way you did, I think you just take that one on the chin. Yeah. And another thing, too, announcers, um, one thing they're guilty of that I think MMA media and fans can sometimes step out and be 100% objective is their analysis of fights. You know what I mean? They So this is tied into what you were saying about how some of them be judges in the future. You got it. You can do that but you literally have to be a generation away. And a generation to me would probably be about 10 years where you didn't compete against them or whatever. And any sort of a link that ties you in, like if Matt Hughes, if his son, I don't even know if he has a son, but let's just say he does. If by now we find out he's fighting, you know, that makes sense, right? Hughes is probably in his forties. He could have a son that's just finished college is ready to fight MMA. You can't have Frank Trigg. Um, Referee his fight. I don't care if it's amateur, his first fight, undercard, or whatever. You just can't have it. They met up 20 years ago. They were inducted together into the Hall of Fame, but he went 0-2 against them, regardless if they've had dinners since then or whatever. I, I just don't think you can ever have that. So you would have to pull yourself away with any connection from probably any remnants of the hit squad or militage or whatever uh, and just not do that. And that can be done. You know what I mean? Nobody's questioning Frank Trigg's credibility, but you just don't ever want um that you know for for the for there to be any uh uh i guess raised eyebrows or whatever but right you know um 
there have been a few, and I've been I've been happy to see Vitor Hibero. Haven't seen him as much. Definitely have seen Frank Trigg out there. Uh, I believe Chris Lieben was was doing some refereeing as well. Um, and there may have been one other Brazilian back east. Like, oh, um, one of the coaches uh, who's always with Mark Henry, Ricardo Almeida. Was he a judge now or something like that? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So that 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 definitely can't be a bad thing. Herb Dean, to be fair, he fought. Mm-hmm. You know, he fought yeah, in MMA, good. but it was such a long time ago. Um, but yeah, yeah, like folks, quick lesson, man. I'm telling you, it's it right now, it's unfortunately on the fighters to figure it out. The scoring system does need to be tweaked a little bit because we're using a boxing system of 10-9, and that's what they came up with. And guess what? Nothing's come up that's been better. Uh, 10, nine and a half. 10-9, may make a difference, but we can't even get them to write down 10-8. Maybe they're trying to tell us we want to write 10-8, but we don't. But at the same time, there's an 8.5 floating out there, maybe. But that's why they revised the rules in 2017 that said, hey, look, we got to look to write down some more 10-8s because all 10-9s were, weren't created equal. How the fuck yeah. is Rose... And Carla, round one, a 10-9. And how the hell can you compare that to, you know, other rounds where there's a clear 10-9? Like, who's who's been taking people's back down? Uh, Aljamain Sterling against Peter Yan, round two. Remember, we thought it should be a 10-8? Well, that's a 10-9. Mm-hmm. But so's Carla and Rose. Come on. Yeah. By the way, a lot of people don't know this, but Herb Dean actually fought Joe Riggs. He, I think he's had like five Heavyweight. or six fights. Huh? They at heavyweight, yeah. So he has yeah. actually gotten in there. And Riggs once fought for the title at uh, did he make weight at one seventy? Right? He, I don't think he made weight though for that fight against Hughes. That oh, for he filled in for Caro. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So now that I think about it, anytime you're, anytime you say, you know, Anderson should have eleven title defenses. Instead of 10, but remember Travis Luter didn't make weight. So that wasn't a title defense, but he kicked his ass. That's not fair to Anderson. You know what I mean? He could be tied with Demetrius and John Jones, but they took that one away from him. Matt Hughes has seven altogether. He had two in one reign and five in another, but technically could be saying, I should have had eight. And they made him fight Gracie at 179. He could be going, I should have nine. Wait, mm-hmm. he fought Gracie at 175. Yeah, UFC 60, I think. Because Gracie goes, I ain't going to cut the last five. Well, that could have been a title defense. He could arguably have nine. I'll look it up because it's time to talk to Mohammed Mokaev. He's joining us here on the program, UFC Flyweight. Let's get started with the Punisher. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back here with another MMA superstar. This time we get to talk to undefeated flyweight Mohamed Mukhaev, who signed a fight to face Charles Johnson at the UFC card coming up in London on July 23rd. Welcome, Mohamed, to MMA Junkie Radio. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you. Everything's good. Just just at the camp in Miami. Ah, okay. I was going to ask you, what, what gym is that? I can't tell. American Top Team. Well, I've never seen it from like the, I guess that angle of the roof or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Cool. It's How long have you been there now? 
like uh, three weeks now here. Okay. Amazing facility, good good condition, good good a lot of sparring partners. Is that your home, or are you gonna try other gyms until you find your home? No, no, I'm I'm here now. I, I live here in in same place. We got like a dorms here, and like training in the morning, train at night time every day, just like, just like gym life. What did you like? What What do you like about South Florida that made you want to make that your home gym? <sighs> Good weather, a lot of sparring partners like UFC level, and uh, I, 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 when when I was growing, I was watching a lot of like fighters training in places like this, and I really wanted to visit this place. Who are some of your main sparring partners so far? Uh, Pantoja is rank number three. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah, so uh, uh, Kyoji Hariguchi. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you picked yeah. out the best ones. Yeah, I've, I've got like Koji Durden. <laughs> yeah. Now, Hariguchi, I'm sure you can train with and exchange every secret, but how, how does it work with Pantoja? I'm sure there's respect there. I'm sure there's a, maybe you guys are building a friendship, but when do you. Um, do you hold on to every single trick, knowing maybe down the road you might face each other? No, I don't hold any tricks. Like what I can do, I do in the gym. You know, I don't, I don't have like, uh, I keep the secret for the fight. It's, it's okay. We, I, I know we, we will meet one day, like, for the championship uh, title, I think. But at the moment, we're just training. I, 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 I competed a lot of in amateur, so. I used to like train with amateur guys and then fight against them. It never affected me anything like this. All right. Well, I hope I hope that's the way it works out. Uh, but you did see Colby and Jorge, Kayla and Amanda. You know, sometimes things start off okay and then they go another direction. So um, let's let's hope that doesn't happen with you guys. Yeah, I try to keep the distance. You know, like uh, yeah, friendship and and the training. I have like a lot of friends here, but like. If you're in my division, then it's different. Yeah, I got you. I did notice that you had 23 amateur fights. You probably get asked this all the time, but um, this is our first time talking to you, so I wanted to hear it from you. Uh, why so many? Like, I'm thinking at 10 and 0, I think I would say, okay, he's ready for the pros. Maybe 15 and 0. Now I'm very sure, but you got all the way to 23 and 0. Yeah, and I went. On a high high stage like IMF World Championships, it's you fight every day basically. You make weight every day. Championship weight you have to make every day. And it was it wasn't easy. So I want to be like make a history, make a make a history for for amateur game, and uh, stay undefeated and live. Mm -hmm. So a lot of experience traveling different countries. I competed in Australia, competed in Bahrain, competed in um, in in Italy. So many places yeah so by the time you get in there in london it'll be your 30th combat uh, in mma 30 fight yeah no i actually uh, this will be my 32nd because i have like no contents fight oh, and yeah. one, one fight got removed i'm not sure so that's actually my 32nd and also the, this fights didn't count count for how much it was like before I started my amateur 
Korea was competing like intercoops out of intercoops it was like you win or you lose it's like a draw you know so I, I competed in that maybe maybe like 20 fights there now uh what is intercoops I'm not sure what that is is that like a uh, a fancy name for street fights or is that a league no it's it's basically you go you go to the all gyms meet meet at one gym together uh, smokers kind of yeah and there's like a, there's a referee and you win you lose you get the draw exhibition oh. okay i thought maybe those were like fights outside of old trafford or something in case somebody got in your face about the game or anything like that <laughs> no no we do we do with stuff like this different you know <laughs> When's the, uh, so Mohammed is a Manchester United fan. Um, when's the last time you've been to a game? Um, November, November last year, before I set off for my camp, because I stayed in the, for my debut camp for like three, four months in Bahrain. And mm -hmm. then I came back and, uh, uh, for my fight, and then I went to Dagestan. So I'm not, I'm not been much games this year. Did, uh, did Ronaldo score that day? He did. He did. That's his. Uh, it was seven hundred goal. Oh yeah, eight hundred probably because 800, I think eight, yeah. 800. Wow, pretty historic, man. That he's returned to Manchester United after so many years away, and every time he scores, it, the stadium looks like it goes crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing atmosphere. I just I go there just for the. I love the atmosphere. You know, I love the like fans. Don't matter, like lose, win, you know, they, they support support the team. Do you sing? Do you sing the songs too? Do you know the songs? Who is this? The the songs when they sing to the players. Oh yes, yes. Like Afim, right? Mm -hmm. What's that? Yeah. Crazy atmosphere. I want one of these for my fight. <laughs> yeah. Well, they've done it before for for um, a lot of the. UK and European fighters. Um, when Ricky Hutton fight against Floyd Mayweather. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. All right. Um, well, let me turn it over to Goz. I'm sure he has a couple questions for you. Um, cool. Mohamed Rakayev, our guest here, he is going to be facing Charles Johnson at the UFC Fight Night com coming up here on uh, July 23rd in London. They're back in London. They had such a successful... Uh, trip back to London after like three years, four years that the yeah. UC's already rebooked them at the top of the bill. Curtis Blades and Tom Aspinall. All right, goes. What do you have for Mohammed Makayev? Mohammed, you talked about going to Old Trafford and you love the atmosphere and the the feeling that it has. A lot of people say when they walk in, you can just feel this energy, not just from the moment, but from years of of competition. Is there a place for mixed martial arts, an arena? a stadium that you've always wanted to fight in that you feel like maybe you would feel that same energy? To be honest, uh, O2 Arena in, in London, because I have uh, like a good history for, for UFC London. In 2016, as a kid, I competed in wrestling on that day. Uh, Rustam Habilo fought against Norman Park. Main event was Michael Bisping against Anderson Silva. And um, I was competing in wrestling in the morning and afternoon. I set off to London, came to watch my, my friend give me ticket, present for UFC London. I came there and uh, watched my friend, Mustam Khabilov. He's really close to my career. He, he really guided me a lot through my career. 
now we actually train together in Dagestan and six six and I, I told him I told Rustam I'm gonna be here soon and six years later I, I took over the arena you know now I know your dream is to become a world champion but was that always your dream even from when you were a younger kid or did you have other thoughts of what you might do when you get older did you did you have aspirations of becoming a footballer or anything else or has this always been your dream uh to be honest like my dream become like later when i was like competing in amateurs i was like i believing myself more and more and more but it was first i started everything to to feed my family i want i, I didn't want to see my family see and think what I, I, I went through in my life. I didn't, I didn't want to see my kids see this, you know. I want they, they understand the tough life, but not as much. Because they, they have to know the childhood um, life too. So I, I really wanted something for, for the future family. You, know? you mentioned going to Dagestan, and right now you're at American Top Team. What is the major difference in the training between the two places? I mean, from what we hear, Dagestani fighters are just tough. There's a hard, it's very hard to explain it, but they're just very, very tough. For you, what's the biggest difference in the training? Um, I think in Dagestan, they, they train a little bit um, crazy, like two, three hours training non-stop, a lot of like sparring rounds. They, they can do like wrestling and then put gloves on and then they go for sparring straight away. And then they, they can do like a sprint session, same in like, one session but here a little bit smarter not a little bit way more smarter i think like because uh, in america that that's where this sport come from you know it's like they, they they went through this a lot so they have like tactics game plan and, um, and plan for the training you, ju you don't go to the gym without the plan do you but ever look <laughs> this guy changed his shirt <laughs> do you ever uh when you're when you're thinking about this fight that's coming up you know right now there's a little bit of controversy with the judges and the way they award uh sometimes the wrong person the fight do you yeah. ever think about that is that something that makes you go for the finish even more or for the most part do you have confidence in in judging when you when you go into a fight i feel comfortable you know even if even if it's like bad decision it doesn't i don't i don't like i don't take too much personal because if fans knows if supporters knows you won the fight doesn't matter like what's on your record record doesn't mean anything you you fight for your 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 fans you know who actually who want to support you they support you in you know, bad bad times too so it doesn't wouldn't affect me well it's half your paycheck though Mohammed. You know, you don't get the winner, the winner bonus that the UFC pays. Oh, it's it's uh, you still get like performance. I don't know. I wouldn't wouldn't think about this too much. Yeah. Like if it's like bad decision, it means like it's a good fight. You know, it's it's a close fight. There's there's chance for rematch. So it's. It's not like end of this end of the story, you know. So yeah, there's advantages and disadvantages. Disadvantages maybe for next fight they put purse more, and I, I I come to the fight more hungry. You know, there's there's things like um, it's a life you have to adapt. No, I'm glad that you don't obsess over it. That's good because 
there's once you lose, there's really nothing you can do once the decision's made. But at the same time, I think the fighters should definitely learn that uh, with a lot of the decisions as of late that are close, many would call them controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, the judges aren't changing. It's the same names every weekend. It's the same referees, the same judges. And I believe they're good, but they, um, you know, they're, they're not going anywhere. And so I always tell people it's on the fighters. The fighters have to do enough to get the 10 and the other guy gets the nine. And that way you ensure yourself that at the end that they say, and the winner is the punisher. Right. Because it's, it's, you know, it, it, like we were talking about soccer earlier. I don't know where your jersey is, by the way. Goes and I have our jerseys, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, so anyway, we were talking about soccer earlier. And, um, you know, the team can lose, for example, during the week on Tuesday, right? But then five days later, four days later, they can win on the weekend and everything's good again. MMA is tougher because if you lose, you might not fight for three months, six months. God forbid you have a serious injury even more. And, and it, 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 you know, I can tell that it really, really um, – the fighters aren't the same until they're winning again. You know what I mean? So yeah, uh, that, I guess that's the advice we can offer. Um, not that we're supposed to, I guess, because we're journalists and, you know, MMA media and you're the fighter. But it's that Manchester United connection. You know, that's why we're yeah. going a little bit off the script there a little bit. Um, but I did want to say I noticed you had some decisions in the amateur career. And then in the pros, man, you've become not just the punisher. You've become the finisher. You got the finishes. They're quick. You got to be feeling good about the way things have changed because if you think about it, the pros are the tougher tougher fights than the amateurs, and you're finishing the pros. Uh, because there's like no knees in the amateurs, no elbows. There's like few minutes. I used to like make them tight in few minutes, and then round was finishing. And now I make the guys tight like in few minutes, and then two like four fifth minute, I can't, there's chance to finish them. And um, I, I work uh, also with pro goals, easier to submit than amateur goals. So as soon as it took, I took this amateur goals off, it was easier for me. I think I think the goals different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, those are that's a great explanation. I should have known better because Goes and I have called amateur fights, and sure, I guess one of the things is for sure you have more time to work. Uh, and yeah, there were restrictions on on elbows back when we did it. They didn't want to. Also, count, like. Uh, you know the cuts and stuff like that stop fights, so that that makes sense. It's just yeah, that's right. You know, if if you take some some someone's back and um, and they they're not afraid of the knees and elbows, they they will defend more. But mm-hmm. if they're afraid of elbows and knees, the neck is open. You know, so there's there's advantages a lot. You know. How long have you been in England? Ten years now. Wow, I can already tell just talking to you that. Uh, your career is definitely going to have a different trajectory than some of the other Dagestani fighters. Um, Habib learned, you know, English and used it conversationally. He used it a little bit in trash talk, but the fans, they connected with Khabib because of that. Only recently is Islam Makachev speaking, but very little, you know what I mean? But it makes a difference. So I'm glad you got, you at least got that. I mean, we were able to communicate here and you're, you come off as a charming fella. We know you're a killer inside the octagon, but I think it's going to help you a lot, man. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Mohammed, so last question for me. I know that you want that your goal is to win the fight, but sometimes fighters have personal goals for each fight. 
Can you share with with us? Do you have a personal goal in this fight? Is there one thing that you're looking to do? That was something, something that that arena gonna stand up again, same as last fight. So, uh, so, so people remember the fight. I always do something that they remember. That's why they knew me since amateur days. Yeah. All right. Something during the fight, uh, a technique you said? You have a technique that you think you're going to finish the fight? Something, maybe trash talk, maybe something. But but make sure that people tune in and watch. <laughs> I'll do something. You want one more tip, Mohammed? <laughs> okay. When you go to um, the prep point, and they do the Vaseline, they check the mouthpiece and the and your cup. You know what I'm talking about, right? Right on the outside of the octagon. And then you hug your teammates. You know, you do all that. Then you go up the stairs, right? Into the octagon. Yeah. Before you enter the octagon, turn around and do this to the crowd. I'm telling you, the crowd is going to cheer. And whoever's there for their first time is going to go, oh, man, I like that guy. I'm cheering for that guy. And not too many fighters do that, but Vanderlei Silva used to do that. Uriah Faber does uh, used to do that. And there's a couple others. But that, them two, watch them if you ever get a chance, and you'll see, man. It's that little connection that can make a difference. Because I want you to stand out from the other 600 fighters in the UFC. You thank know what I mean? Otherwise, it's just like, thank you for the fight. See you in six months. Here's your check. And I want the fighters to, um, especially the young ones like you, man, to go out there and make a splash. Thank you. Thank you. I did for my last, actually for my debut, exactly the same, but I just put hands up, you know. <laughs> hands up or whatever. Yeah, especially because the music is still going or whatever. You stand up, maybe even stomp your feet, turn around and just do this or this, yeah. <laughs> whatever you want, man. This, anything. But get the crowd like that, and I'm telling you, it, 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 it'll it really, really make a difference. Uh, and if you don't do it, we'll give you a hard time that you didn't do it next time we talk to you. But hopefully you do do it. Okay. And hopefully next time you wear your Manchester United shirt, man. What's going on here? You didn't wear your shirt today. I have. I have. I have. <laughs> I have in my room, actually. <laughs> All right, man. God bless. Thank you so much for the time today. And uh, good luck with your camp, and have a great fight in London. Have a blessed day. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Another Manchester United fan in MMA where there's a lot of them now, right, Goes? Yeah, there's quite a few. Yeah. Hey, let me look it up real fast before we get out of here. Matt Hughes, when he fought Joe Riggs, it was a non-title fight because Riggs did not make weight. And, yes, I believe you're right. He was stepping in for Carl Parisian. Uh, Riggs had fought at heavyweight before, but he also made it to 170. In fact, he, him and Nick Diaz had an epic fight two times that night uh once in the hospital and once in the octagon but yeah poor matt hughes may have gotten robbed of two title defenses yeah by the way you know who's not getting robbed of a title defense kamaro usman because he ain't fighting nick diaz nick diaz wants a title shot come on man what world do these guys live in and i realize that sometimes they just like to probably fuck with the media and fans or whatever but with nick sometimes he seems like he's so out of touch that 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 actually sounds like one could believe that he believes it Mm -hmm. yeah no that's an insane situation for me um but 
you know, as I mean, this will never happen. But if for some reason it did, and you heard Dana White say, but he's a legend of the sport, man. Do you want to go up to Nick Diaz and tell him he doesn't deserve a title fight after everything he's been through? Like, it's so funny because sometimes things that we think are ridiculous, the UFC could just kind of spin in their direction. But they're not going to do that for uh, Nick Diaz. That's just insanity. Yeah, I hear you, man. Can you imagine uh, what Bilal Muhammad would say at that point? Like, I'd throw up my hands and go, what am I doing here? Tell me about it. Um, hey, real quick, I did want to say Rockhold and Costa. I've been looking forward to that fight. Costa keeps postponing, or according to Rockhold, he's saying Costa needs like another month. He's he's already kind of postponed it. They were supposed to fight July 2nd, UFC 276, International Fight Week. He said he needed more time, so they went to UFC 277, which would be July 30th uh, in Dallas. So there's two pay-per-views in, in July. And now he wants to push it back sometime. So that one was late July. This would be, I guess, a fight night in in August. Um, Rockhold's pretty pissed off. But further to that goes, I'm not hoping this happens, but Costa needs to watch out. Because great record, good-looking cat, speaks English. Most of his fights don't suck. The one against Izzy sucked. Uh, the one against Romero was awesome. You know, he's had a few. Love the way he goes to the body. But I'm telling you, man, when you flake off or fuck off, however you want to look at it, a bit too much like that, and you turn down fights or you miss weight like he did, it all starts to add up. And all of a sudden, you can get handed your last check. You, I think they just look at you as someone who just, we can't count on you. You know what I mean? So, like this is a little bit of a warning, Paulo, from what we've seen in the sport, man. That I don't know. I don't think they want to lose him, but I don't think he makes it easy uh, on anyone. One hundred percent. I can totally. I see exactly what you're talking about in that. Yeah, I mean, he's got the weight loss, weight cut that went bad, doesn't fight often, and then that title fight where he just shit the bed. I mean. Forget the wine or whatever, man. In that title fight, you stunk it up. I mean, they remember all that stuff. So he needs to go out there and and have a statement win against Luke Rockhold. Um, Right now, leaning towards Rockhold, to tell you the truth. He seems hungry. He hasn't fought in almost four years, I believe. Or no, Uh, He hasn't won in, I forget. But I know it's, uh, you know, it's been a couple years. It's been like four years since he won. It's been two years since he competed. Something like that. Anyway, all right, that's our show for today, folks. Thank you so much, as always, for having our back and supporting the show. I can be followed on Twitter and Instagram at MMA Junkie George. Goes is at the Goes. That's T H E G O Z E. The radio show at MMA Junkie Radio. Again, both on Twitter and Instagram. And I guess we'll see you next Monday. No UFC this weekend. There is some cage wars, but you can still keep it locked on MMA Junkie as we're always there to cover the latest news. Um, one last thing, check out YouTube. We got a lot of stuff there, including the weekly spinning back click, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. All right, this time we really are out of here. Enjoy the long weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you. We'll still be here to do our show on Monday. All right, go out there and be a champion.
just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.